This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer and I'm Dory Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And today we are bringing you Product Recall, a weekly episode where we dig deeper into the history of an iconic product and its impact, coming to you every Friday here on Forever 35. And we do take requests for this. I believe what we're talking about today was a listener request. And if you want to make one of those requests, you can call or text us at 781-591-0390 or email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. You can also find links to everything we mentioned at forever35podcast.com and follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast. You can join the Forever 35 Facebook group. The password is serums. We have a newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And you can shop our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35. I also just, before we get going, I want to just put in a little plug for our live show, which is happening Wednesday, May 17th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. You can get tickets at moment.co slash forever35. We're going to have Nora McInerney pop in. We're going to have Sam Junio pop in. There might be some other special guests. I don't know. It's my birthday party. So like I can invite who I want to invite. Okay. Wow. I think that was directed at me. <laughs> no, it was directed at our listeners. I don't know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> because you're sassy and spicy and you're turning 46. I am sassy and spicy. And there's going to be some games. There's going to be some good giveaways. So toodaloot on over, get yourself a ticket. If you can't make it at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern on May 17th, if you have a ticket, you'll be able to watch it for seven days after it airs. So that's kind of cool. So yeah, I hope to see you. I really do. Well, I'll be there. Uh, Yes. (laughs) This I promise you. What if I didn't show up? Uh, um, well, Kate. Okay, I'm today, ready. Today, mm-hmm. 
we are talking about one of the most iconic perfumes in the world. Shut up. Which perfume? I don't know. I literally don't know what this episode is we, about. You are my well, leader. You know what? Actually, before I tell you, why don't we just hear from one of the most famous men in the world talking about this perfume? It's not a journey. Every journey ends, but we go on. The world turns and we turn with it. Plans disappear. Dreams take over. But wherever I go, there you are. My luck, my fate, my fortune. Chanel number five. Inevitable. That's right, Kate. We're talking about Chanel number five today. And that was the ad that Brad Pitt did for Chanel number no. five in 2012. What'd you think of it? I An Oscar winning performance. <laughs> no, no, I'm like legit hot for Brad Pitt after watching that. It is <laughs> so erotic. It's almost, I don't want to say pornographic because he's just, it, it just, it, it titillated me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Close ups oh, on his okay. mouth. You know, he's, he's got that long hair. Look, I know Brad has a lot of, a lot of problematic, uh, you know, issues lingering. And I'm not saying I condone any of that, but what I am saying is that my body got warm watching this ad. Okay. That's really funny because we're talking about Chanel number five today. One of the most iconic perfumes of all time. And in 2012, they hired Brad Pitt um, as you know, celebrity, celebrity face of Chanel number five. And as part of it, he made this short ad. This ad was mocked and ridiculed to the point where Saturday Night Live did not one, but two parodies of this ad. Seriously? I don't even remember this ad. Anyway. I just wanted to welcome us all into the world of Chanel number no. five through this uh, Brad Pitt ad. Kate, yes. I, I can see what they're poking fun at. The ad is ridiculous. <laughs> it is absurd, especially for a fragrance. Yes. Yes. This is what the, the Guardian wrote about it at the time. They called... They called his Chanel number no. five ad the worst one of all. Um, wow. He was doing so well to shake off his reputation as barely sentient eye candy, which I feel like is kind of an unfair characterization, but okay. But there he is, shaggy haired with a David Brent beard, trying to inject hammy profundity into lines such as the world turns and we turn with it, that he all but bursts an eyeball in the process, all that good work undone in a stroke. All the hoary old perfume ad tropes are here. The hush delivery, the odd look upwards as his brain tries to grapple with the majesty of planet Earth, the way that he clearly wishes he was performing the entire poxy things directly to Yorick's skull. And worst of all, they come without the slightest trace of self-awareness. We expected more than this. This so is like way too much feedback for like, it's just an actor who was given a lot of money to do something. That's all it is. Totally. That's all just, he was doing. I just wanted I just wanted to one show how widely these ads 
were disseminated, right? Like the power of Chanel to both hire Brad Pitt and make this ad and have it become like a cultural moment. Like that's pretty amazing, even if a lot of the commentary was negative. But that is because Chanel number five, like I said, is probably the most famous perfume of all time. Um, It was invented in 1921 by the Russian-French perfumer Ernest Beau, B-E-A-U-X. Yeah, Ernest, of course. Old Ernest. There's a couple of conflicting stories, seemingly conflicting stories about how the perfume came about. Um, So Coco Chanel was already kind of well known as a couturier, as a designer. She'd opened her hat shop in 1910 in Paris. And um, by 1920, she was like possibly going to get into perfume, but she didn't have a perfume yet. And this guy, Ernest Beau, was working at a different company that had that had a chief perfumer. And he was like, I'm never going to get promoted. Like, this guy is in this job for life. So he called up his old friend, the Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich of Russia, who was then in exile, what with the whole Russian Revolution and all. Um, uh-huh, he was also okay. the lover of Coco Chanel. Oh, what a twist. I didn't know mm-hmm. that was going to come. Okay. And so the the story goes that the Grand Duke uh, ha- got Ernest to meet Coco in the summer of 2020. And Ernest had all of these different scents to present to Coco Chanel, whose real name is Gabrielle, by the way. Um, and she chose number five. Now, other other kind of origin stories say that Coco Chanel had like um, solicited these scents from Ernest Bow and like had an idea of what she wanted it to smell like. So we don't really know what the what the truth here is, um, but she did supposedly say that she wanted a composed fragrance. She didn't want something that was just single note. Like she didn't want it to just smell like rose or lily of the valley. Like she wanted it to be complex. Um, and question Dory at this time, Coco's just serving up hats in Paris. So in 1910, she started by selling hats, but she kind of quickly expanded into clothing. Like, got it. Okay. You know, um, and also, her shop became well known because um, actresses really liked her hats. So you know, the power of the celebrity, and we the see power it again of and again. the chapeau. You know, everyone the power loves a chapeau. Of the chapeau. <gasps> exactly. Um, yeah. So the number five was always like an important number to Coco Chanel. Um. It was always the date on which she presented her new collections. So it would be like February 5th, September 5th, like whatever, August 5th. Um, so some people say that she chose number five because it was the one she liked the best. Some people say she chose number five because she loved the number five. Um, 
whatever it was, we ended up with Chanel number five. Um, and it was supposedly an instant success. So it had like she wanted, she wanted this blend. So it had Rose, Lang Lang, Jasmine, Lily of the Valley, and Iris were like the floral notes. And then it was, that had a base um, of vetiver, sandalwood, vanilla, amber, and patchouli, which is sort of like woodsier. Um, so it had a, a, there was a lot going on in Chanel number no. five. Um, and the first like sketch slash ad for it um, in 1921 is a woman dressed in what looks like a Chanel dress with like a short bob. And she's just sort of gazing up at the bottle of Chanel number no. five, which looks like today's bottle of Chanel number no. five. Um, so, you know, we've talked about packaging Mm. and logos and i think it's really interesting that here again we have a logo that is instantly recognizable um and has kind of stayed consistent um since it since it first launched here kate i'm gonna send you the the ad the sketch Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, weird. Oh my gosh. This was not what I was expecting. Hold on. I need to zoom in. It looks like she's, her mouth is agape. Yeah. She has her head tilted back. She almost looks like she's wailing. Yeah. Okay. But she is hungry for this bottle of Chanel. She She really wants this bottle. Her arms are reaching. She's kind of reverently praising it this is kind of pretty actually this is interesting yeah, i thought it was pretty um well kate let's take a little break and then we will get a little bit more into the history of chanel number no. five and um kind of how it became so iconic after the break i am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone it's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift-giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like... My brother has the app, so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app, so she can add photos. My parents also have it, so they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts, I think, of the Aura Frame, is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about... Uh, we have two Aura Frames in our house. I have Ooh. one in my office and yeah, and one in our family room. And do my they kids have, love do it. Do they have the same pictures on them? No, they have different pictures. <gasps> 
Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should get one for my office. I'm looking at a picture of my in- children right now. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Putting that away for later. Store that. Yes. Uh, the Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also, then you're not taking up your email storage. So, win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code FOREVER35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day-to-day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash forever35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there, the overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done a consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. 
That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've... Devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I've I mean, drawn the line. Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when oh. I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. No. With honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Okay, I- I'm we're back and I'm ready. Okay, so... um. They initially only produced a hundred bottles of it and she gave it away for Christmas for the first year to her best clients. But then it was all the rage. And in 1922. Sorry. I just, I'm like imagining what like it's influencers, but a hundred years ago. Totally. Exactly. And like, right. Cause these this- were, these were Chanel's best clients in Paris. So, I mean, we are probably talking a hundred of the richest women, most fashionable women in Paris. And now they're walking around smelling like this brand new perfume. Yeah. A complex mix of Lang Lang and Iris. <laughs> exactly. Um, and she tried launching another perfume from our friend Ernest, Chanel number no. 22, but it didn't do as well which is interesting to me. Um, So, you know, we go on Coco Chanel's fashion becomes like more and more popular in the twenties and thirties. She really like defines the look of the era in a lot of ways, her little black dress, the Chanel suit, etc. And then we get to world war two. Oh, and shit. this is and this is where the story of Coco Chanel gets a little murkier. 
if you go on Chanel's website, there okay. is um, a like a timeline of the history of the brand. Okay, I'll do um, that. And it, it, by decade. Oh wow! Okay, I guess it was a um, hundred years old. Do you do you see it or do you, do you need me to send it to you? I'm currently in the history. Yes, it's the history. Okay. Okay. So you click on 1930, and if you click on the little discover link, you see that Chanel went to Hollywood. You see that she had a jewelry. She briefly had a jewelry collection, and that's it. And then we get to 1940s, and the only thing for 1940. Is in 1939, it says closing of the couture house. During World War II, Chanel closes its couture house. Of the five Rue Cambon buildings, only the 31 boutique remained open where perfumes and accessories continued to be sold. And then there's a picture of American soldiers lining up in front of the boutique at 31 Rue Cambon to purchase the number five perfume in 1945. This isn't going to be good. Is it? I mean, I kind of know where this is going because I've, so, I know a little bit of this. So here's the thing. Paris was occupied by the Nazis in World War II. So if your shop stayed open, which they say, you know, one shop stayed open during World War II, that means that in whatever way you were at least implicitly condoning what was going on, right? Because Coco Chanel stayed in Paris during the war. So she was in occupied Paris, selling her perfumes, selling her accessories during the Nazi occupation. Um, so there's some conflicting stories here. Some say that she was like a full on Nazi collaborator. Okay. And in fact, like worked as a spy. Um, other people say, you know, she was just, she was just like, you know, she was just trying to survive single, single lady, just trying to sh survive in the mean streets of occupied Paris, <laughs> keeping okay. her shop open. And there's also the allegation that she was somehow involved in the arrest and imprisonment of her Jewish business partner, Pierre Wertheimer. Um, but that is unclear. Um, she was never charged with any crimes. After the war, she was interrogated, but never charged. She moved to Switzerland for a little while. Like, seems like she was trying to get away from the heat. Yeah, that feels like a little, like, I don't know. Does that incriminate her or uh, hard to say? And then mm -hmm. she came back and relaunched the Chanel brand. And then in 1954, when she was 71, she personally designed a new line of clothing and kind of like relaunched herself. Like there are all these very flattering, like there's a big profile in Vogue in, in America um, and it's also not clear to me how much of this was known contemporaneously um, by American or by anyone, really. Like if people had kind of like connected the dots, like was this known? Was this not known? Did this all come out later? I'm not totally sure. Um, but 
it's like not great. It's not that gives me pause. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's also just, you know, interesting that the brand itself clearly does not really want to reckon with this history at all. Yeah, it's certainly, I mean, certainly is evidenced by the very vague history <laughs> listed on their website. Very vague. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Clearly, uh, PR has made the choice to just kind of avoid that altogether, I would assume. That's just, you know, that's just yeah. me speculating. But I'm assuming. Hmm. <sighs> so, you know, that that really, I think puts a pall over the whole brand of Chanel. Now, was she, did she create the computer system that the Nazis used to catalog Jews and send them to the concentration camps? No. Did she, you know, did she power the trains that (laughs) sent the, like she wasn't, she wasn't working at the concentration camps, right? Like, and, the Chanel brand was not involved, but I think that what she did or didn't do during the war and like, let's take the most benign analysis of what she did or didn't do during the war. I think at the very least we can say she certainly didn't actively oppose the war. Right. Which is not okay. She didn't, you know, she was not alive then, but I'm going to go on a limb. Right. Like she was not resisting the war. She was not publicly coming out against the war. She was doing what she, I, I assume what she thought she needed to do to survive, which was accommodating the Nazi regime because they were all up in Paris during that time, rounding up Jews left and right. Yeah. So, you know, what were the other couturiers of and fashion designers of Paris doing during that time? I don't know, but she, you know, she is always talked about as someone who was a suspected Nazi collaborator. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. So and then just kept on plugging along and then just kept on plugging along. And, Oof. you know, the the brand just kept on plugging along and didn't seem like people really talked about it. So, you know, that's kind of what was happening during the war. And I don't you know, I don't know if she just continued selling the perfume and the accessories because that those were the raw materials that were the easiest to get or that the, you know, the demand was not there for, for fancy designer clothes at the time. Like, you know, I can only sort of speculate, but she kept her business going in Paris during the occupation. So that is that part of the Chanel number five story. And we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, I have a little bit more to talk about. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. 
Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, we are back. So when the perfume first launched, you could only get it at the main Chanel boutique at 31 Rue Cambon, um, which was also the headquarters of Chanel. And, but then Chanel started kind of gradually introducing it to select high-end department stores and boutiques. Um, like Saks Fifth Avenue, that's where somewhere where you could get it in the United States. Um, and the the company of Chanel sort of like spun off the perfume division to um, Galleries Lafayette, which was owned by Pierre Wertheimer, who was the Jewish business partner of Coco Chanel. Um, so that's just kind of like how everyone, yeah. Okay. That's how, the resol- um, that's how they resolved that massive fucking issue. No, well that wasn't, sorry. That was in the twenties. Okay. That oh, was I'm in like sorry, 1924. Okay. That was very, that was in the, okay. Yeah. So, so she had been, you know, working with Pierre Wertheimer for 15 years before the Nazis occupied Paris. And they had spun off. Uh, the perfume separate from her clothing and hat stuff. Yes. Okay. Yes. But I believe she was still like very involved. Um, and it was, you know, it was always a high end perfume. Um, it was always, it was always expensive. I found some ads from the forties. So I found some ads actually from during world war two. Um, in Vogue, there were some ads for Chanel, um, and it says, the ad says, for the perfectionist who must be exquisitely groomed from head to toe, Chanel soaps for the toilet and bath, breathing the fragrance of the most famous perfumes in the world. And um, the Chanel perfumes were listed as number five gardenia Russia leather glamour and number twenty two for two seventy five to fifty dollars. Wow. So fifty dollars back then was a ton of money. Also, keep in mind we're like in the middle of a world war. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> um and then in like in 
for example, in 1946, there was an editorial in Vogue that like had Chanel number five with all these other like luxury items. Um, So it was, you know, it was always like positioned as a, as a luxury, a luxury brand. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a controversy and, you know, I think Chanel has, always been very like protective of its image and very good at publicity and all this stuff. So I think this was probably a bit of a shock for them. So, you know, it was always this luxury item. And then it also always had this sort of like air of being the perfume of choice of celebrities. There was this famous Marilyn Monroe interview from, I think it was, I think 1954, 1952, something like that where she said she didn't wear anything to bed except Chanel number no. 5 mhm which is it's a very sexy comment it's a very sexy comment it's a comment you see quoted in like every article ever about Chanel number no. 5 it's like as marilyn monroe famously said you yeah know? totally um and then there was a famous photo shoot of her with Chanel number no. 5 they always had very like elegant sophisticated people as the face of the perfume, like Ali McGraw, Catherine Deneuve, Audrey Tattoo, Marion Cotillard, um, and Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. <laughs> so there's also a Nicole Kidman film from 2004. I say film because that's what they call it. It's really a commercial that Baz Luhrmann directed that also kind of became the subject of a lot of ridicule. Um, (laughs) And like these films are funny to me because they do feel like sort of like PR missteps a little bit. Like they were going for sort of like elegant sophistication and it just seemed almost campy. Um, So here, Kate, I'm going to send you the Nicole Kidman ad. And you t- tell me, tell me what you think, because I feel like okay. you like the Brad Pitt ad. So tell me what you think of the Nicole Kidman ad. Yeah, although maybe I'm, you know, maybe there's something that says something about me. Okay, here we go. When did I wake into this dream? I must have been the only person in the world. didn't know who she was. With the disappearance of the world's most famous But my world would never be the same again. Oh my god, I'm so into this. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But I'm like into I mean, but you know, I'm a romance reader yes. and writer. Like I'm like following along actively. Yes. I love a starlet a and a Yeah, I love I love everything about this. Now, it is ridiculous when she comes out and declares that she loves to dance. <laughs> so such a strange turn of the tone of the film it's very strange it's very strange um 
Anyway, I just wanted you to see just sort of like how Chanel like thought of itself. It's like they have no sense of humor about the brand at all. Oh, they 100% do not. Right? Like there's No, it's so serious. They take it so seriously. Yes. And if you watch any of these films, like there's one with Keira Knightley, I I won't subject you to all of them, but like you you know, I'm going to like watch them all later today. You can go through and watch them and like you definitely get the sense like you said like they are taking themselves extremely seriously which like you know i get it they're chanel they're chanel okay (laughs) um i do want to talk about one like legit controversy that happened with chanel number five that i think the company had to navigate um and it happened in the early 70s the chairman of chanel jacques lille is quoted as saying that one of the ingredients of Chanel Number no. 5 is the sweat of the whipped Abyssinian civet cat. What? So That can't be real. What? So what apparently a- the secreted sweat from like the <gasps> balls of the cat What? Was a very common ingredient in perfumes. What? The secreted sweat from the balls of a cat? Yes. And I'm not even sure how to process that. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. But as soon as he was quoted as saying this, naturally, humane, like humane organizations were like, hold up. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Um, and they urged a boycott of Chanel number five, which you know, I can only imagine it was like pretty shocking to them, like as a brand to have to like deal with this, you know? Yeah. They were like, what? You don't love this about us? Right. Um, oh, my. And they end up stopping using this civet oil. Um, and I, be- I don't think anyone uses it anymore. They've like, they found synthetic replacements. Um, but that was just like an interesting moment, I think, in the history of the brand. Now, Kate, you may be wondering, what is the deal with Chanel number no. five now? I am. I am wondering. Like, I, I also, I'm trying to pinpoint if I even know what it smells like. And I'm not even sure I could claim that I do. Okay. So, if you look on TikTok now, oh boy, there's a lot of TikToks about how Chanel number no. five is an old lady perfume, which like we can unpack that and the misogyny inherent in calling something an old lady perfume. But I do think at this point, it has the reputation and the um, its image is that of an a, a classic perfume that someone has perhaps been wearing for many, many, many years. And it's not cool. Like, you know how sometimes people find that, like, it's a little bit subversive to like products like that? Yeah, I don't get the sense that it is considered cool. Okay. Um, We're going to watch one last TikTok, one last video. It is a bit asmr <laughs> I oh, will great. say. Okay. Um, but I just loved, I just thought it was so funny, um, the way that this influencer describes 
what he, I think, thinks of as the archetypal Chanel number no. five wearer. The most famous fragrance in the world. But what does it actually smell like? Let's talk about it. Yes, Chanel Number no. 5 is arguably one of the most famous fragrances in the world, recognized simply by its bottle's silhouette. This is in no way associated with Chanel, and these are just my opinions. Also, I apologize for my appearance. I have no concealer on, and I think I look a little bit gaunt. Chanel Number no. 5 is that older woman on the back of the bus, clutching her pocketbook, dyed hair. You can tell. It's dyed every week. She's wearing a mink stole. Don't worry, her mink is very old. And you see her every day. You never say anything to each other, but... You notice... When she blows her nose, her monogrammed handkerchief rubs against her lips. And her lipstick is a formula she's been using for so long. A formula so unchanged that it completely rubs off on the handkerchief. And she has no idea. She clings to her pocketbook. Like she's clinging to the very, very old and antiquated ways she lives her life. And some of those ways can be biting. Some of the things she says can be hurtful, blunt. But is it worth bringing that up to her? Probably not. So you just accept it as part of her overall picture. That's the aldehydic biting note on top. But one day on the bus, on a particularly warm day when the air conditioning is off, you notice her take off her mink, unbutton her blouse, just one button, and put some lotion on her hands and her decolletage. The lotion is unscented, but from her direction you notice a warmer scent and a softer side. And in the heat, you both smile at each other for the first time sharing a moment with this somewhat cold, guarded older woman. Also, for the first time, she puts her pocketbook down next to her. Basically, her way of saying, I accept you. She'll always be there. Or a version of her. Powdery and leathery. Chanel number five. So I'm familiar with this influencer. Yes. The let's talk about it. <laughs> influencer. And I, I like their videos. I have to say, like, their description of the Chanel number no. five wearer is kind of what I would also imagine. Totally. Like a, a rich Upper East Side octanagerian. Yes. 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 Like, no one's wearing Chanel number no. five out to the club. No, but like, I kind of want to meet the person who is. Like, I want to meet the like 19 year old TikTok. Maybe even not TikTok famous, but like cool by like whatever today's cool standards are. Like, is Dime Square in New York City still cool? Like, they hang out there. Right. And they're wearing Chanel number no. five because in their, like, it's so old, it's new. I don't know. Right. Like, there's got to be somebody out there who is embracing it in that way. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, so yeah, so that is our that is our product recall on Chanel number no. five. I hope you learned a lot. I did. I mean, you know, one of my favorite Chanel scandals happened on TikTok where some TikToker did their advent calendar and it was like eight hundred something dollars and it had 
like the most measly. Oh, it was like, yes, I remember this. They opened one of the little totally like compartments and it was just a sticker. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, the absurd. Like, I, I do think that there is a really cool kind of cultural critique happening with the younger generation of like not just capitalism, but like luxury marketing and like how scammy it can be. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, this made me want perfume. <laughs> well, if you end up wearing Chanel number five, let me know. I think I'm going to pass. I don't, I still feel like the fact that they haven't, the company's never really addressed the fact that, that Coco Chanel was at the very least like a Nazi sympathizer is fucking not okay. Mm-hmm. Like that seems like seems like the time for that to happen was decades ago. Yeah, Kate, I'm with you, but you know, they're not I alone to, in terms of you know companies. that's true, Dory. They are not alone, and I think I need to I need to dig into that a little bit more. And that's on me to do my own uh, learning there. <sighs> well, All thank right. you for this journey. I learned a lot. Oh, I'm glad. All right, bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.